0: Welcome back, friends. Welcome back to Solutions Watch. It's James Corbett of CorbettReport.com. And this week, we're going to be talking about something that is a question on the minds of many, many listeners. I've heard about it many times over the years. Variations on the question, how do I get rid of Google from my life? And uh, it is a big question because as... I'm sure every person listening to this right now knows Google is increasingly a part of your life. It is the big brother that is watching silently over almost every data transaction that you have one way or another. So is there a way to avoid the big G altogether? And if so, how do we go about doing that? Well, You don't have to listen to James Corbett's ramblings on this subject. You can listen to the technical expertise of someone who knows a thing or two about this and has made it something of his life's mission to teach other people about Internet privacy in general and, obviously, as a subsection of that, how to get rid of Google from your life or at least downplay its significance in your life. And I'm talking about the Internet Privacy Guy, a.k.a. Rob Braxman at Rob Braxman Tech. Uh, He's available at Brax.me. And that link will be in the show notes. But I hope he will already be familiar to my listeners because, well, at least my attentive subscribers will know that I have referenced his videos in my subscriber newsletter several times now, including his most recent uh, offering as we record this, Android without Google. How is that possible? A very interesting and to the point 25-minute video exploration of that very question, which is obviously relevant to today's conversation. Let's bring him on board. Rob Braxman, thank you so much for joining us today.
1: Thank you for having me, James.
0: All right, let's get into this this knotted, tangled web of how do we extract ourselves from Google's web that they have placed over us. And that's a, such a hard question in so many ways because... Obviously, as you know, their tentacles are pretty deeply embedded in a lot of the infrastructure of even the hardware we're using, let alone the software. But before we get into that, I know this is Solutions Watch, so I'm sure everyone here is already here because they already understand the problem. But just for any normies who might have strayed into this conversation, or people who still might not realize just how pervasive and insidious Google's uh, web over our lives is. Can you explain to someone, just in a minute or two, what would you say as to the reasons why we should be concerned about, if not completely view Googling, at least reducing Google's footprint on our data and activities?
1: You know, I have a video that actually goes through the problem of uh, how it ends up later into manipulation how we can be manipulated by our own data and it's very very hard to explain that and to be honest we, even on my videos a lot of people don't watch that part they they talk about google in general and they kind of know there's a problem but they don't really they don't really pay attention to what i'm telling them about some of the things that i hope people will check out on my videos about things like jigsaw and uh, the one i mentioned recently was Moonshot CVE, where they actually manipulate the search engine, manipulate what you see in the results based on how you're classified into what is called federated learning of cohorts. So you're being grouped, and once they group you into this many many subgroups, probably thousands of subgroups, they actually label you and attack you by changing the internet on you. Now, I don't know to some people that's like, well, I don't care. Somebody changes my internet, and I say, well, uh, I guess you're allowing somebody to vote for you if you want to go back to, you know, to how how deep this is. But, you know, just to pull back, the the main problem is the first is data collection, and data collection uh, starts out in a big way from the phone. It used to be from the search engine, from what you do on the internet, cookies, trackers, all this stuff that I used to talk about a lot, but I found out now that it's probably 80% of the collection of data now occurs on the phone. So that's why this de-googling issue is really about the Android. That's really what it's about.
0: Now, just to follow up on what you just brought up there, I think it is important for people to understand that this is not just... uh, We're talking today about the brass tacks of, of the data collection that's going on, but the bigger picture, the bigger reason why this is so unsettling, as you point out, are the jigsaws and the moonshots and other things that people don't really know are happening. But when you start to connect those pieces, it forms a much weirder and crazier picture than most people would ever think about. I'll just direct people to the previous work I've done on the sentient world simulation that was being put together by DARPA a decade and a half ago. Who knows where it is at this point, where they literally wanted to have a a virtual double of every human being on the planet that they could run in their little simulations to simulate various world events and how people would react. Imagine how much more useful that would be if they had granular detail of all of your data activities over the past decade or two or three to construct that virtual avatar of you. And if you want more specifically about how Google is involved in that, I will direct people to something called the Selfish Ledger, which was an internal video that Google had, um, uh, that was released or leaked several years ago that shows the incredibly creepy level to which they want to take this in terms of constructing, not just constructing data profiles on people, but using that to manipulate people in certain directions, which they state openly in this internal video. It's incredible. But that to the side, again, this is about Solutions Watch, and you raise the question of de-Googling your phone, which, as you say, 80% or so of your your data trail towards Google it, and these days is going to be on your phone, because most people have an Android phone, which Android is an open-source project, right? So it's not directly related to Google. How is Google getting your data if you have an Android phone?
1: You know, it's... uh which is, that's really so funny. And I gave the history in my last video. And what, what is really interesting is that when Google started this, they wanted the platform to develop quickly. So they actually came up with the Android open source project. And that was then done in conjunction with their partners, which was from the Open Handset Alliance. So those uh, uh, original equipment manufacturers like Lenovo and H- now, Lenovo was not there yet. Uh, They they came in later, but Motorola and HP and, you know, all of the LG, Samsung, all of them became part of this open handset alliance. And they were competing with uh, the iPhone, which just came out uh, about the same time that they were doing this. And they wanted to come up with something fast. And what is the fastest way to do this is to have the other people build the hardware and build this software drivers for all the hardware and then Google just developed the actual interface which they bought from another company and then which is also originally named Android so so the original project was actually completely open source now what happens is when when you get your Android phone when you get your Android phone sent to, or uh, purchased at retail what they do is the OEM attaches the original Android open source, which is completely open, with their own files called OEM files. So the software drivers that they pay for when they put in a Wi-Fi adapter, a uh, modem, a uh, Bluetooth. And then to that, by contract, they then add the Google stuff. And the Google stuff overrides, overrides the files in AOSP. Now, why do they do that? AOSP is compatible with the Google file. So any file that Google puts in, let's say camera. So the original camera program on AOSP works and the the OEM is able to test the camera and make sure that works. So now they certify, yep, camera works. So now Google then can say, Okay, now that that works, we also have tested that our camera is compatible with that original AOSP camera. So even though it was originally open source, the, the phone you actually get is not open source. The open source is really primarily for testing. So So the reality is when you actually get your phone it's all the spyware and all that that was not revealed in the open source. And that is what actually gets on your phone. And th- this is the problem because of, for one, it's not open source. And second, you cannot remove it because the original is not there anymore. It was replaced. So all the spyware that is part of the phone is there. And the problem with the phone is that the spyware is in several, several areas. And it's. It, I have so many videos talking about this. One is the location tracking. Every Google phone can track you 24 7, 24 7. And they say, well, that's not true. There's permissions and all that. That's a bunch of BS. Telling you right now, it's a bunch of BS. They actually collect, it's called Wi-Fi scanning. They collect all of the uh, routers around your Wi-Fi routers and they take the locations and then match it to your GPS location and they store that as a way to do something called Wi-Fi triangulation. They actually have a map of every router in the entire world. And all they have to do is find out what router you're near to? They don't even need to track you directly. They just say what router you're near to. This collection of data is called Wi-Fi scanning. It's and it's tied to your phone with your Google ID. So then they know from your Google ID that your phone uh, extracted the Wi-Fi scan of where the Wi-Fis are, and therefore they know your location. And they're going to say, well, that's not tied to your identity. That's you know. Seriously, they have your Google ID, they have the GPS and they have the routers near you and they say, well, we didn't collect that data. Yeah, right. So that's that's number one is the the location scanning. Uh, and then now Bluetooth is now doing the the uh, uh, what do you call this? Contact the, uh, tracing. Contact tracing the contact tracing is now built into Bluetooth, and Apple did the same thing. And and that code is not in the original AOSP. They take the Bluetooth code, replaced it with their code so that they can now do the the contact tracing stuff on there. And they can even do contact tracing even without the Bluetooth because they already have your location anyway. They can just do what is called geofencing and say who is in an area, who's six feet apart. They can tell that because it's accurate to six feet. That's the accuracy of the, the Wi-Fi location. On top of that, the apps have telemetry. The telemetry is built into something called Firebase. Notifications, how your apps are used. You, for example, if you have an iPhone, it tells you how many minutes you used each app and all that. That's exactly what Google has. So It knows exactly how many times you've used the app, what you do on the app, uh, and that's called telemetry the telemetry is a big part of what android does and the final big 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 biggest thing that is uh, revealed on android is called the device fingerprint so tied to your google id they know everything that your device uh, has they know the id using some identifiers on your phone that are unique to the phone for example the imei the, the international uh <laughs> what is that again uh equipment identifier the international mobile mobile international mobile equipment identifier imei and the uh, the mac addresses of the uh, wi-fi routers and all of that are unique to your device so if they are able to read that which they can because they replace the code so they can read it and they send it with your google id there anything you do on the internet they can say oh it's this guy and now you can see how it doesn't matter what app you use, they can connect everything because they can recognize the device. So those are the biggest, biggest dangers of a Google phone.
0: It, is it possible to de-Google then? Can you actually get rid of that and still use the phone?
1: Yes. Now, it's not it's not perfection, obviously, but yes. And I myself use a de-Google phone and uh, I, it worked very well for me and I made some sacrifices for it. And it's fine. Now, what, how you do a Google phone? It's very simple. The original Android open source project is compatible with the OEM files that the OEM makes. And if you stop there without putting Google files, you have a running Android phone. Now, it's not exactly like the Android that you you uh, get from Google. It's not. There's some some minor minor things. The camera might not have all the little tweaks that they used to have. Uh, so it's certain apps are more basic, but it everything runs everything runs and and uh, uh, for the most part it's tested to work and even without Google it will work. I mean the main fo- phone functions work and all of that works
0: but generally only for uh, phones that are a year or so old right
1: the the uh, the limit these these are the limitations the limitations are the phone has to be worked on by somebody who has the phone. A developer has to get the phone. So they, they can't even start working on it until they buy the phone. So you give them a few months to buy one. Obviously, they have to afford one. They can't buy one every year. So some developer goes and said, okay, I want a new Pixel 4. So they get a Pixel 4. Then they start working on it, and they start saying, okay, now I'm going to do AOSP, Android Open Source Project, put in the OEM files, and test it, and tweak it and see if it works. Uh, by the time that they get done with that, it's typically a year later from the time the phone is released. So for, for example, right now, we ourselves, we sell the Google uh, Pixel 4 phone. That's the latest phone we can sell. So we, we don't do uh, Pixel 4a or, or Pixel 5. So it's it's gonna be about a year or so behind, or 10 months at the mo- at the earliest. And uh and you can't have a new model. That's that's one of the limitations. But to be honest with you, I don't care. It's you know, what's the real difference aside from their marketing? What is the real difference between a Pixel 4 and a Pixel 5? Uh oh the camera's better. Yeah, right. The the, the reality is if you if you actually uh if you actually uh think about it, uh, Pixel 5 has 5G, and 5G is one of the biggest evils uh that's gonna come to your to, to you so 5g one of the difference between 5g and 4g is that 5g can pinpoint your location within inches so now the the uh, the surveillance uh, economy will now go from being able to surveil you from the carrier from the the carrier side is within a quarter mile half a mile square uh, Google can surveil you within a few feet and now, we're going to empower the carriers to to track you within inches. So not not too fond of that. I'm okay with a one year old phone.
0: Yeah, Okay with yeah. A it certainly phone. doesn't seem like much of a sacrifice when you put it into perspective. Um, and for people who have never downloaded a uh, an app through anything other than the Google Play Store, how would you go about getting your apps for your de de-go- Google phone?
1: So so. Fortunately, the way that Android works, you you can actually load any app. From anywhere. I mean, it doesn't even have to come from, from Google at all. Any developer can make an app and it's in the format of an APK file. That's what the file looks like. It has an APK extension. There are actually apps everywhere on the internet. In fact, every app ever made that's been placed in the Google store is actually on apkpure.com. So in theory, if you have a Google phone and you say, well, I want to download an app, but I don't want to use Google Play, you can go to apkpure.com and find the app and, or any version of it, even in the past, because they keep it, and you can install it. That's where I found an old version of Waze that works on a Google phone, because Waze is one of the ones that no longer work if you use the new version. But if you use an older version and upgrade it, it works. And that's one of the tricks we found by going to APK Pure. But the basic, the basic app stores on a, the Google phone is basically F-Droid. So F-Droid is the the best supplier of apps because it's not Google, no connection with Google whatsoever. In fact, the apps on F-Droid are not on Google Play. And they are, have been vetted, they have been curated, and they actually are compiled, uh, built, what, I'm trying to find the technical term here. The, uh, the F-Droid people actually take the source code and build their own code for whatever the program is. So they have access to the source code. So they, you can't spy on on anyone because the F-Droid people can look at the source code. They don't take any program that they don't have source code for that they can, don't build themselves. So the developer never builds anything. They just hand the source code over and F-Droid builds it. So F-Droid is the safest one. So when we uh install a the Google phone. 90% of the phone, uh 99% of the apps we install. Actually only one app, two apps are not from us from F-Droid, and that is my app bracks and Signal. Because uh, those are not on F-Droid, but everything else we get from F-Droid. Now, what about those people who want to use standard standard apps from, from the Google Play Store? For that, there's a trick. There's a trick. The trick is we load something called something called the aurora play store client which is a fake google it actually connects to google but it's it's fake it's uh it basically logs into google as uh anonymous and talks to google downloads the file brings it to you So google doesn't know who took it so from there I, you can get uh, apps like spotify and kindle and you know things like that even ways uh, the only app you cannot install would be anything Google. Nothing Google can be installed. You cannot install YouTube, which I'm sure James doesn't mind. Uh, uh, can't install anything. Uh, can't do Google Search. Can't do Google Drive. Can't do Google Voice. Can't do uh, Google Maps. Uh, a lot. Actually, you can't even do you know Google Assistant. Th- th- that's not that's not on the phone. So with that, you 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 will find that actually 90% of the functionality of the phone works. You know, I'm a boater, I'm a sailor, and for me, I like navigation apps for boating uh, and wind wind prediction, location, and all that. And I got Predict Wind and uh, something uh, 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 the navigation apps for a boat, Uh, and they all they all work. They they use the the GPS, everything works fine. All right, let's
0: talk about other aspects of de-googling, because of course, there's so many services online that are going through Google at this point. And obviously, the number one, the the one that started at all is search. And so of course, it's always the question, what do you use for search if you're not using Google?
1: When, when I do a de-google phone, because that's a service we provide, we install uh, DuckDuckGo as the default, default uh, browser and the default search engine. And uh, you can actually install a browser and actually run Google search if you want. It, it just won't be Chrome. You can't not install Chrome. Uh, you can install Chromium, but you cannot install Chrome. So so you don't actually lose everything. I mean, if you want to do something Google, it's still possible to go to YouTube from a browser, just not the app. But it's a little bit different, James, a little bit different. You know, just because you can go to Google using YouTube or or you know, any functionality from a browser, the device fingerprint is not available to the browser. So they don't actually know who's using the phone. That is one of the biggest benefits of a Google phone is that the biggest one probably is that the device fingerprint disappears. So there is no way for Google to actually pinpoint and say, James was going to YouTube, even though he's not supposed to be on YouTube, he's on YouTube and he's doing this and watching this and watching these kinds of videos. Uh, they don't know that. And that's what I love about it. I I just love it.
0: How about email? Um, Obviously, a lot of people use Gmail as their webmail. And there's a lot to be said about email and the lack of privacy inherent in email. But if you were going to use a webmail service, not Gmail, is there one that you would recommend?
1: Well, uh, obviously, you can use uh, the browser with any webmail. But I actually use, gmail on my phone my degoogled phone that's not a problem uh, but i use a junk one not not anything important i have a you know i have i have a lot of gmail accounts and a lot of them are used for one-time use and things that don't have any identity or data and i use them for logging into social media and i have one of those on my phone so that's a gmail thing and the app i use is a standard. Uh, an email client called K9, which is from the F-Droid store. And uh, so I install that and I do. you can run Outlook and Yahoo and all that. Plus, I have my own personal server for my email. I can run that too. Uh, I tend not to put a lot of email on the phone, but uh, I, I would probably not put a real name email on my phone. I probably would not recommend that because then it's revealing your identity. So I would use something that doesn't have your real name and you can use email. It works. If, if you're going to use Gmail, make sure it's not James Corbett at gmail.com. Use, you know, uh, the guy at gmail.com. Uh, you know, yeah. uh, the, yeah. the uh, right, the, what is it? Violent anti, was it violent anti, no, violent far right extremist at gmail.com.
0: <laughs> yeah, That's just you have fun with some of their uh, their algorithms and things that they're working on. All right. I, I will throw in a list. Uh, at restoreprivacy.com, for example, runs an alternatives to Google products for 2021 list. And you can go through their various recommendations, etc., uh, etc. Et if you are interested. YouTube alternatives, Calendar alternatives, Google Drive alternatives, etc. At least getting some people some ideas for things that they can do. But how will I ever live without Google? In fact, there are a lot of different services out there. And... Uh, Google becomes stronger every time we go, well, you know, eh, but Gmail's so easy. We might as well just use it. I think Google gets a little bit extra power every time we do that instead of going the extra distance to try to find a Google alternative. Now, again, the bigger question of all of this is well, where are you running to and will there be privacy involved in that? So, on that note, let's talk about your own solutions that you've developed. At Brax.me, what is it that you're attempting to do there, and what can people find there?
1: Well, Brax.me is my is my social media site that's actually made to, to do one thing that I think no other website does, and that is to obscure your identity. Brax.me doesn't collect identity data. Brax.me doesn't doesn't uh, even require you to have email or require you to to have two. Two FA two factor authentication or anything it does have offer that it offers it through uh, through uh, something called Authy or Google Authenticator that kind of thing but it doesn't require you to do it you don't have to you can make up your own name nobody requires you to have a real name even though James signed up on there with James Corbett so so we know who you are but but you don't you don't have to you 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 can come up with your own name and there's several there with uh, some interesting names like past presidents, and I don't know if they're actually there or not. I'm sure they're not, but but uh, you can set up any name. The the point is, many people think that the solution to privacy is to encrypt the encryption. And of to think that it, this is one of the reasons I push the Google phones. It's not because of encryption, and this is what BraxMe, my site, does as well. I've, I teach this on my channel, that the main issue is really identity. You can actually trip Google. Google is not that powerful if you take away your identity because the data that they collect becomes meaningless. So it's really, my whole channel is about obscuring identity. Uh, if you can do that, then then uh, you actually win. I, I'm not sure that YouTube will win if they can't find your identity. So that is actually the big picture for me. It's
0: a very important point. Um, It raises the question, is that really possible? Do you really think it is possible to completely obscure your identity online?
1: Well, not connected to this topic, but one of the things that I recommend highly is to actually use your connection to Google to feed them information the way you want them to 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 see you so i teach this where i set up a logged in chrome account with google on it youtube my own youtube channel and then i show them what i like to watch on youtube or i show them what i like to to do on uh, on uh, on cnn or whatever oh, i i basically have formatted my uh, chrome to be the model the model citizen that that google wants then when i want to do something different i go to a different browser and that is called browser isolation and on every browser i never ever log into google by doing that then google is fed information that i want and they will actually lose and this is the important point if all of us understand that identity screws up their data then they actually lose and that is why the google phone is about that a google phone has no identity they can't collect data
0: Absolutely. Yeah, no, it's, it's such an important point and one that I made recently on Solutions Watch talking about salting your data. Yeah, um you should feed them salting, information yeah. that isn't that isn't true and correct. You should feed them information that uh that will steer them in bum directions so that they can't use this data against you. Um an important point and br- browser isolation. There's so many different topics that you've talked about on on uh, in your many many videos. I'm sure people will have a fun time if they haven't yet uh, discovered your channel, going through your channel and looking at all of the data and information that you've got there about not just de-googling, but how to increase privacy in general. Um, finally, then on today's topic, let's talk about the degoogled phone that you sell. How can people get that and what kind of phone can they get and, and what are the details there?
1: Well, you know, you can, of course, degoogle your own phone if you have technical skills, uh, you go to lineageos.org. That's the name of the website, and you can go find a phone that they support, and you can test it and see if you can do it. The problem is, it is quite difficult. With the instructions on there, the chances of you being successful are probably ten percent, and it will take you many, many failures, and likely you will brick the phone. So, so in order to save save that. Uh, you know, because I know it's difficult. So I offer the service and we de-Google phones ourselves and we find out which phones are difficult to de-Google and which ones we can offer. And so nowadays we uh, we sell those on my app on BraxMe. So if you go to BraxMe, sign in, you can actually see it on the store in there. Now, the phones we sell, are the most popular ones are the Pixel phones. So we have Pixel, Pixel 3, Pixel 4, Pixel 3 XL, Pixel 4 XL in various sizes. Uh, And then we sell Motorola's and then we sell OnePlus. Those are probably the most popular that actually are problem free. There's a few we tried before and they're really hard to do. And so it just gets more stress. And for example, people always tell me, can I de-Google a Samsung? And this is just one of the difficulties. Uh, no Samsung phone made in the US or made for the US market can be de Googled. You have to only get a subset of international phones. And most people don't know this. So they say, oh, they don't read, they don't read the instructions and it says in there. We only support the specific submodels. So no, we don't do Samsung's. So we've stuck to even pixels. Now here's just a little factoid. Not every pixel can be de Googled. And this is again why people come to us for the service, because it's very difficult, because only the the pixels that that came from the Google Play Store, this is the funny part, only the ones from the Google Play Store, not Google Play Store, Google Store can be de-googled. If you buy it from the carrier, the carrier locks it. So if you buy it from Verizon, uh, AT&T, and T-Mobile, you're not going to be able to do anything to your Google Pixel. But if you bought it from a, a Google Store, it's okay, which is really strange because why would Google allow that? But it does work. It does Very work.
0: strange. All right. Well, it's good to know those kinds of things that, again, if you're just dipping your toe into these waters, you're probably not going to know that. It does take some technical skills. So I, as I say, you've got a lot of videos talking about these types of subjects on your channel. You've got Brax.me. People can find more information. We will direct people there. But hopefully this won't be the last conversation that we have. There's a lot of other things to talk about in the realm of tech privacy from VPNs to instant messaging to cloud storage, all sorts of different things that people use increasingly on a daily basis that uh, they may not even know some of the privacy dangers that they're exposing themselves to. So we'll leave today's conversation on this note. Is there anything else you'd like to say just on the general subject of de-googling?
1: Well, uh, on the general subject of your channel and my channel, it, obviously there's a lot of intersection between what we do and what we talk about and I just love being here and of course I'm I've you know I've been an avid watcher of your videos as well. So thank you for having me James.
0: Well, thank you for coming on and sharing your expertise. I hope people will check out Brax.me and uh, your, your channel as well if they haven't yet. Hopefully on, on Library Odyssey, not on YouTube. But <laughs> <laughs> at any rate, you are there as well and in many other places besides. I'll put the links there in the show notes for people who are interested. And I hope we can talk again in the future. Thank you for coming on.
1: Thank you.